everybody and welcome to Working Lunch. Um, how's everybody doing today? You know, we, we're, we're over halfway through the week. Um, if you're in the UK, weather is pretty good. Uh, today I'm joined by Una McGuinness, who has got great weather all the time because you're, you're out in Spain. <laughs> I'm, I am in Spain, but the UK has beaten us this spring, which is, uh, which is fortuitous, I'm sure. But I know the UK weather has been fantastic. So we actually haven't had a great spring. But I'm not complaining because now is beautiful and it will be till September, I should imagine. I would imagine that your bad springs are still pretty, pretty good, to be honest. <laughs> no, we have a lot of rain. Yeah, yeah. Where I live, we're up, up, up in the mountains a bit. And uh, yeah, we just had quite a lot of rain, which we don't usually have, which is really unusual, I know. But, you know, obviously all the gardeners love it. Um, so, um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a lovely part of the world. So as I said, I can't complain. So uh, everybody's kind of welcome, everybody's joining us now and sounding off in the, uh, in the chat bar. Uh, yeah. As always, we want to kind of know what you're having for lunch. Um, myself, I was pretty rushed. I've been, I was rushed, so I had like a couple of crackers basically, and that was it. Um, and I don't, you haven't had any lunch yet, have you? Una? No, I had a boiled egg about eleven-ish or something. I was up early and I had some porridge. I had porridge. Can you believe this morning? I made porridge. My husband was exercising. He said, "I want some porridge." I was like, "Okay." So we had porridge and a, I had a boiled egg. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm uh, going to be a bit later for lunch today. Which is which is very typical for for Spain anyway, right? You know, you're just um, you're just kind of just you you you've slipped it's in. Basically. The evening, you know, once you start, you just don't stop. <laughs> I wish, I wish. You know, occasionally um, that happens. Uh, thank you, Ian, for the an impressive shirt comment. I, I'm basically trying to outdo Graham, who was on the who was who was kind of hosting oh, yeah, earlier in the week. We had a really yeah. in, an incredibly impressive shirt on. So I'm just trying to kind of match. We kind of keep a trend yeah. going. Um, so yeah, so Una, it is absolutely great to have you with us uh, today. For anyone who kind of isn't aware of what, who you are and what you do, can you kind of just kind of give us a little kind of quick kind of overview sure. of, of your kind of background and maybe mm -hmm. how you got out in Spain? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's that's a sort of long and short story. Like with any of these things, I think we were just talking about this before we went live. I think we came out for a year when my kids were very small. My husband was doing a lot of work um, um, in the Spanish finance building uh, market, and we thought we'd give it a year. And that was 13 years ago. So um, we stopped and we stayed, really. So I have been remote working for an awfully long time. <laughs> anyway, that's not what we're going to talk really about today. But um, yes, so I, I've made remote working and, and managing businesses um, from a distance and um, work for, for some time. So my background is I've had over 20 years recruitment experience. And um, most of that experience was with a digital media recruiter called Aspire. And um, I started very much as a recruiter and, and made my way to the board and became um, global um, managing director. And, and the last sort of, you know, sort of six or so years of my um, time at Aspire, I looked after our Asia offices. So I launched and grew our international sort of presence. And also I had responsibility for our um, marketing. Okay. So um, sort of wore, wore a couple of hats as you do in recruitment. Um, and um, what we're going to talk about today is, is about um, what you need to consider before you change your business model. And that's something that I was sort of instrumental in doing um, before I um, left, left Aspire. So, um, you know, first-hand experiences of doing it and the challenges that, that, that it faces, that you faced with it. So, um, so now I um, work sort of part-time as a business consultant. And like everybody, really, I'm reconsidering and looking at my model and how I operate. You know, for, for the last sort of year, year and a half, I've um, helped various businesses in terms of their 
sort of strategy and marketing strategy and and, and have worked very much kind of project led. But um, obviously thing, things are different. So it's a different landscape now. Um, so I'm going to be looking at, yeah, how I can work um, with communities and, and do more things online, really. So, um, so yeah, so I think things are, things are changing for all of us, really. I, yeah, I completely agree. Um, but you do get back over to the, the UK, or you did get back over to the UK on occasion. Yeah, I used to come over a couple of times a month. Yeah, yeah, so I would always be over sort of, you know, working with clients or going to events or whatever, and then coming back and then working remotely as well. So, yeah, I, I've done that uh, travel. And before, when I used to look after Asia, I used to obviously travel a lot to, to, to see the teams in Asia. But um, but most recently, yeah, I've been very much, when, when I've needed to, going over to, to see clients. But obviously, Zoom has made... And, and and this and everything like that has actually I think it's 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 made a lot of people reevaluate you know how how you do business and certainly I want to be able to do it in a more sustainable way going forward so I think um you know I think lots of people will be changing the, the the way they do and obviously you know you can support people in lots of different ways with 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 video technology and things like that nowadays yeah I mean it's made it's made the world a lot smaller hasn't it I think yeah mm-hmm. and I think um, the expectations are different aren't there people because clearly exactly. you know exactly. Um, so, so today, you know, we, we, the, the topic is is what to consider before you change your business model. Yeah. Um, but I suppose before we get into the kind of the meat of that, it would be good to kind of get your viewpoint on, you know, where the recruitment industry is at the minute, because I think that'd be a good kind of leaping off point. You know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, obviously it's 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 been incredibly challenging for lots of people. I think if you're a leader of recruitment businesses, of a recruitment business, whether you've got two years or twenty years experience, you're you've been on a steep learning curve, <laughs> and and everyone's dealing and managing with kind of really new and kind of complex situations. So I think, firstly, yeah, as I said, it, it, there's there's a lot of complexity kind of out there. I think the kind of key things that people have got in front of them that they've got to the sort of five key areas that I would say that people have um, are, are looking at now and, and are, have had or have affected, as it were. One is their um, obviously their, their cash flow and, and what they're doing in terms of their business. So you know there was a huge amount of um, uh, time and energy put into cost saving and, and obviously furloughing scheme and all of that kind of thing. So so looking at the kind of cost and as a recruitment leader, it's very easy to look at the top line all the time and the revenue and, and that and, and not to look at the, the cost. So I think people have learned that keeping a keener eye on the and um, the cost is, is only going to be a good thing going forward. So so cost ca- cash flow and sort of cost costings and and, and PNL is one area. The other is your people and your people strategy. I think that, um, you know, I, I know you've spoken about this but on, on these um, lunch live sessions, but, you know, sort of really looking after your people, who's on furlough, communication, um, but also looking at externally what the sort of talent and the sort of future job market is going to look like. Where where are there going to be the job functions that, functions that are going to be in demand um, and what talent do you need in your business? So, 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 so looking at people. Um, the um, the way in which um, we um, look at our marketing and our sales proposition, lots of people I've been talking to, I'm sure you have, about you know how, what is it our clients are going to value and what are, what how are we going to differentiate ourselves and how are we going to use marketing as an enabler for growth, you know, coming out of in this recovery. 
I think the other key area is um, that, that people are having to really kind of drill down on is their client strategy. So um, I'm sure lots of people have been looking at, you know, what what types of clients they want to work with, which clients are um, least and most effective um, and um, and really having a strategy to, because in lots of markets, there's going to be a lot less demand yeah. um, unless you work in a handful of markets that have seen a real spike. So just, you know, working out how you can grab more market share and get a bigger piece of your clients and, you know, reduce demand is, is really kind of key. And then I think that that sort of leads on to, I think a lot of people, have been looking at their sort of processes and systems. So what do, what how can how do we operate and how can we operate leaner and better to build a more profitable business going forward? And um, so there's been, you know, I, I've spoken to and had a number of conversations with leaders about, yeah, what is that operating system? Obviously that does kind of lead on to you know the, the, the model, but but some of that just kind of really reevaluating what they do, what they do well, and what they don't do so well, and or what they actually what the processes are to really kind of optimize those for um sort of performances. So, so that they're so the kind of key areas. Yeah, sorry. If we go back to those kind of five areas, um, yeah. is is do you have kind of um kind of a scenario or something that, that, that kind of we can kind of kind of work through for each area? So I mean, obviously, cost saving, you know. You can you can cut hard and you can cut deep and you can stop doing your marketing um, and there's all kind of other things and obviously you've mentioned the kind of furloughed schemes and things like that. Mm. But I mean, is is there anywhere else that there are any kind of um, almost is there any other fat to be trimmed? That, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, lots of consultancies and um, recruitment businesses have taken salary cuts. So your main costs in the recruitment business are obviously your salaries and, and your people and, and your um, marketing expenditure and your office costs. Obviously, you've got lots of other bits and pieces. But, you know, so there have been people that, yeah, obviously salary cuts. Obviously, the furlough scheme has been, um, you know, fantastic in lots of ways. I think there are challenges coming ahead with with, with, the, with that scheme now and um, but I think that furloughing I think lots of I've seen um I've spoken to quite a lot of businesses that have given notice on the office premises so the commercial property arrangements are going to change significantly I think whether that's going to be looking at sort of blended models or co-working models and things going forward or people just using taking a much smaller space because their workforce aren't going to be in the office full-time you know 24 five days a week and um, so um so really i think they are the key things and obviously i think a lot of people have spoken to their suppliers about lengthening payment terms and you know you can imagine freezing some of some of the um some some of the assets that they've been using and things like that some have been obviously more 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 flexible than others um but i think you know once you go through all those kind of lines there's not really that much else um you know you you can kind of cut I suppose the, the question I would ask then is, is, is that going to be to the future detriment of those businesses? You know, where, mm. you know, is it possible to, to kind of cut too deep? Um, and is there possible, is, is there a scenario where cutting is completely the wrong idea to do? It at the sure, moment? sure. I mean, we would always say as sort of with marketing at the heart of what we like to do that you shouldn't, you know, of course, you're going to have to reduce spend in all areas, but it's like anything you're not going to get rid of all of your people or you're not going to put all of your consul- you haven't put all your consultants on furlough um because clearly that that wouldn't be that that wouldn't be necessarily a sensible move and i think the same with with marketing you know there are certain things that you have to you sh- still need to be doing and i think high level uh, level of visibility and communication is is to your clients and candidates and your customers is really important but i think it comes down to cash flow you know if you really 
you know, a couple of businesses I've spoken to had poor January, February for various reasons. And so then if you've got COVID and this on the back of that, you know, some people have just had to really cut. But I think if you can afford to understand that there are losses that you're going to make, but you can afford to have some level investment in, in the business and your people, of course, I think that that's, that's definitely, you know, uh, the right kind of the obvious sort of strategy. But I think some businesses you know just weren't in that position but obviously with loans and all these kind of things i think it's 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 trying to make the call about what level of investment should be on those you know certainly things like marketing anyway yeah um and what about the kind of other points that you made kind of where can we kind of um well systems and processes for example i mean i am you've got to get sort of under the skin of your kind of business so obviously i would say kind of mapping out the recruitment model of how it works but so if you're a contract recruiter or you're a permanent recruiter or both you know how does it work from you know sort of the whole client management to, to gaining jobs to your candidate engagement to managing the process to you know managing the whole flow because there might be areas for example there might be areas where and um, some teams are um, really efficient and have you often find teams don't have very good utilization of systems. So the CRM. So you might have one team that's really efficient with the use of the CRM and is able to match very quickly or their candidates are coded well. So they have a they have a real sort of um, knowledge of what's going on in terms of their, their, their database. And you have another team in the same business that has poor um, levels of utilization. So therefore, it takes them a lot longer to source or they're going all the way externally. So when you cut off some of those external um, job boards or, 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 or LinkedIn or whatever, they're not able to find the people. Yeah. So I think it's, um, you know, it, it's really getting under the skin of what and how people use what are your systems and processes at the moment and how could good practices that are maybe used in the business, you know, uh, how, how can they be um, elevated across across the business? I guess, also, I guess yeah. this also would be a good time. To, this, this would highlight the, the the breaks in that kind of process chain as well, where, where there are potential areas. And we, we know that um, some businesses and some consultants are kind of terrible at kind of using their kind of their, their applicant tracking systems and their, their CRMs. Yeah. Um, and this is a good time to kind of almost rectify that. And, uh, you know, yeah. um, and, and yeah, I know experience, that's how it's happened. Yeah. Yeah. Retrain, relook at it. Why do people like, you know, we used to have a, t you know, with, with, with one of the businesses I managed, we had a team where, the, you know, they were really good at using e-shotting when new jobs came in and things like that. And then other areas just weren't using it at all because yeah. they were just like, oh, that doesn't work for our market. You know, and, and so people kind of build up these kind of microcosms of how they work because they just because. They were trained that way and they were the last person in. So their the senior consultant or their team leader told them we don't do that. But absolutely, I think retraining. And I think there's there's a lot of evidence to show that, uh, and, you know, if, if processes aren't simple, then recruiters won't necessarily use them. Um, what you are know, you saying about recruiters? Anyway? No, no, no. no. <laughs> same with everybody. Same with leadership teams and boards. If an idea isn't simple and you can encapsulate it and explain it in five minutes, you lose people. So I think that um, having that sort of simplicity, if, if possible, but also I think you're right, a lot of technology, a lot of recruitment businesses have bought lots of different HR tech and technology to help automate and heavy lifting. But you often find that only a certain percentage of the tech is being used or a certain percentage of the business is using the tech. Yes. So you're right, like the applicant tracking systems and things like that, you know, so you might have one team that that, that goes through all their applications and is, 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 you know, responds to all the candidates, all of that, and then another team that isn't using auto responses or anything like that. So, you know, I think there's, um, that there's a lot to be said with just having a really keen look at what's happening. And also, from my experience, 
when you become an operational sort of senior operational person or director or whatever, you're not necessarily doing the day to day recruitment. So, and you know, you're obviously focusing on on, on strategy, training, development, all, all the other sort of things um, in terms of running the business and making good decisions for your business. But you, I think it's really important not to forget to go back to the people that are doing that day to day and be asking them, you know, what gets in the way, what takes up your time, what you know, what are the issues that you're finding? Because I think that's when you get to the real roots of, you know, what what's kind of happening, and then. You know, they are the people that will come up with the solutions. I always used to say that, you know, the solutions are in the room. They're not, you know, you as a leader aren't expected to have all the solutions to all of those issues. Um, yeah, I mean, I completely and utterly agree. I am. Um, and, and, and the work that we're doing with some of our clients completely um, to completely mirrors that. Um, again, to everyone who's kind of watching today, if anyone kind of wants to ask any questions, just stick them in the chat bar and um, uh, we'll try and kind of put those to, to Una. So you had a couple more kind of a couple more kind of um, kind of points about. So we've covered we've covered processes. We've covered um, uh, kind of uh, managing costs. Yeah, marketing obviously is another key area. So I think you know it's time to kind of reevaluate how you're differentiating yourself as a brand um, and also what value your customers kind of really want from you. So and um, you know obviously a lot of your customers aren't currently recruiting. So you've got to you know you've got to establish what value, what would they what might they pay for in additional services or if not, what value can you add so that when they are recruiting or that you get to that table when you can start talking about people strategies and what they're doing kind of longer term and also I think with clients it's really and um, I've kind of really learned that actually being quite vulnerable and explaining yourself your challenges that, that 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 can obviously really embed a lot of trust so I think you know giving clients value in terms of issues that you're having and seeing and also the wider markets and um, I think there's been an awful lot of collaboration and, and and people like you're saying it's kind of brought the world closer and everyone being in the same situation so don't underestimate the power of, of that but I think having a kind of clear client strategy for you know your, your current clients or your lapsed clients or the clients or areas that you want to kind of break into or perhaps you've had some success in but see that there will be and um, demand in those areas and um, I think now is the time to, to pull together a a sort of sales and marketing plan that, that allows you to you know to, to put your brand and, and, and your and your, and your um, you know your company in front of those people I, I think that again that's uh, it's great that you mentioned sales and marketing because it's one of those um, kind of elements that seems to have kind of drifted apart uh, mm. I think it's a good time then you can you can you can kind of bring all those people together pretty easily now yeah um, and there's definitely a situation where it should be sales and marketing it used to be sales and marketing but you know as opposed to some has gone in the last kind of maybe I don't know, 10 years where you've got the marketeers who do the who do the pretty pretty pictures and you've got the salespeople who just make phone calls mm. um you know there's definitely now this time and i'm we're feeling it that there is there's 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 time for that to become a much more blended approach yeah i mean simple things like looking at you know, I worked with a marketing team with one client and we just looked at all the communications that, that, you know, all the touch points and communication points. And, you know, so, for example, individual recruiters sending out certain emails and things like that. There's loads of kind of improvables which don't cost lots of money, the way you can really join them together and sort of say, right, OK, well, if we had you know, this is our tone of voice, this is what we want, how our, what we want our brand to, to, to be promoted to the industry. So therefore, these are the tools, this is what we're going to help you in terms of your sales process, in terms of comms, in terms of follow-up emails, in terms of, you know, it, it's great if you've had all that in automation, but if you haven't got it all automated, giving this, all those templates to recruiters, they really love all that stuff. And once they start to see, actually, this is a process 
that can really help my BD. You know, these I can send this white paper or this insight, or I can send, then I can follow up with this, then I can send them this before I've even had to ask them if they've got a job. Then that process really starts to kind of work work together. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I think that too too many recruitment businesses have marketing on the sort of sidelines, and they don't really. But the problem also is that the marketers don't understand the business well enough. So you know, getting them to really kind of understand, you know, what what the clients and what what the roles are, what the processes, what the challenges are, and will allow them to to, to like saying really kind of work work together. Uh, yeah, completely agree. Um, that uh, I know we've kind of got a few kind of mentions in the chat box about the kind of collaboration and. Uh, and that's that, that's a, that's a great thing that's kind of happening in honesty. But yeah, it's that internal collaboration as well. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, uh, I think that yeah, you, you could do a Zoom a Zoom meeting with you know a team and your marketing person say right, how can we support each other better? You know, what what can we do? What have we learned about the markets ourselves, our clients, our candidates that can help us work together? You know, in a more effective way going forward. And that could lead to some brilliant ideas about integrating the, the sort of marketing team. And I think or marketing person or marketing function. And um, so, um, yeah, absolutely. I think that, that there's lots of opportunity there. Um, so we've kind of taken stock of, of, of where we are. We've taken stock of the our, our recruitment business. We've gone through, we've cut some, we've cut costs. We've, we've looked at our processes. We have uh, looked at our marketing function. And what could, a, what could a new business model now look like? You know I mean, from your kind of, 360, 180, you know, how, how, yeah. what can it now look like after we've kind of gone through that process? Yeah, well, I think obviously when you've kind of been looking under the bonnet and gone through all the areas that we talked about, a lot of people are in the situation where they think that exactly they need to reevaluate completely that, that kind of, they've come to the situation where they think they need to reevaluate that model. Before I kind of jump into kind of what could that look like, I think it's really important that any recruitment business that's thinking of doing changing the model, ask themselves some really clear kind of questions, lots of questions. So in my, in my experience, recruitment leaders always ask a few questions, but they want to get to the solution quickly. <laughs> so they don't necessarily get really under it. And therefore, maybe new strategies then don't float and don't kind of have the impact they would want them to have. So I would say that, you know, what's your starting point what's your goal you know what's stopping you getting to that goal what you know what 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 is it in terms of the process that you need more or less of and you know what what are the behaviors that might be stopping that process if you change your model it it's going to mean quite a big change to your to all the people in your business because obviously if you're coming from a 360 where you've got one individual that's responsible for 100 percent of the delivery you're going to a you know you, you go into a model where it's interdependent and people generally don't like change unless something, unless I think they feel that um, uh, what something they value is kind of under threat almost. And if your business is under threat, you need to make changes. So, and it's you as the leader, clearly, who's who's, who's got to you know drive those changes through. But I think really kind of asking lots of questions and getting, as I said, bottom-up diverse thinking is so important. What, you know, this is our issue, guys. We don't have enough new roles coming in. How how can we fix this? What would you do? How would we look? And you'd be surprised. I'm sure, you know, people doing the job will probably say all the things you know. Well, we need to have more of a focus on new business or we should be spending more time on our clients than we are, on our, you know, we're spending too much time on our candidates or whatever they come up with. All of these things will help you come to the point of, right, so we've all agreed we need to have more of a focus on, on, on our client strategy, our client side, and or we've all agreed that the current model isn't working because you can't just go out and get three new jobs in a week or whatever it might be. So 
I think asking those kind of clear questions is really important. I agree. And I think we, we, again, pulling on some of our experience, you know, when you kind of, even if it's just simple things on, on little tips on just on candidate sourcing from, from one of the recruiters is doing one thing that everybody else potentially could be doing. So it can trickle down. It can be really, really small little things, some very low hanging fruit that can, you know, uh, elicit a change kind of further up the business because that can say, right, this guy, this person is doing this. Yeah. We should be rolling that out a bit further because that's the some success as a safe story here. And I guess that is the you kind of the same across all parts of the business where there's kind of this little bit of lying fruit that could make that a, a little adaption. Yeah. Uh, then you know those those marginal gains, as it were. Yeah. I always used to say, and I've just seen, I think Graham's made the point that people don't like change unless they're involved in the decision making process. I used to always say in my business, whoever's making the whoever has got to input, in, implement the decision, i.e. say the recruiters and the model, they need to be involved in the decision. So if it was a big decision on marketing or something, you know, the board should make it, the people, the person or the, whoever's involved in the marketing should do that. So, if, or the CRM or the finance or something, if you haven't got that representative of the board, it doesn't matter, it's the people that are actually implementing it and doing it on a day-to-day. And -day. Um, because, yeah, if they don't, if they're not part of that decision-making process and feel they've got input, they won't champion it. Yeah. And, and you'll have a very, very uphill battle in terms of communication, changing hearts and minds. And, and by then, you know, you're going to be left way behind. And sure that's one of the really big things in most businesses is that kind of internal communication piece always is that, that that's the bit that breaks down. It's not necessarily sometimes the processes. It's just the mm. communication from top to bottom and vice versa. Mm. Yeah, and I sometimes found that, you know, when you get people in a room and you kind of say, right, the, the, you know, this is the issue, this is the business challenge, you've got to be really clear on this is what our goal is, because sometimes then they like to change, go, oh, we don't really need more jobs, or we don't really need to worry about that too much, or, you know, it's fine if this area is doing okay, so you've got to be really clear on the goal, but, but I think then getting that kind of bottom-up thinking and getting people involved, I think also you've got to... It's quite hard for people to say, well, I think the leader's wrong or I think, you know, management have made, not made the right decision or we tried this before. And not. Anyway, so but I think it's really important that as a leader, you build that kind of empathy with your team. And I think a lot of people have during COVID because they, you know, everyone's sort of been in a very similar situation. I think there's been a real honesty that maybe I don't think I saw in the last recession, you know, when we when I managed in the last recession, I remember, you know, we were quite um formulaic about some of the communications because we wanted to protect the teams and we didn't want to tell other recruiters well we're having a dreadful time also you know but I think now there's been that kind of vulnerability and that sort of honesty has been really um refreshing um, and and um, I know certainly a shift for, for me as a leader and other people that I think then you know I think people are going to probably be more likely to be open and honest about what they think will work in the business and like you say with the changes or taking their own personal um ego and and sort of um out of it you know what, what what's best for the kind of for the business really so should there be any more kind of questions that we should be asking ourselves before we kind of move on to you know looking at a different kind of model yeah i mean i think things like behaviors obviously a cost benefit analysis so a kind of you know if we did do you know what, what what's the benefit of changing so obviously if we decided that we need more clientivity and more more jobs you know what, what does that how much you know how many more jobs from the current situation do we need and is that kind of, you know, is that, you know, you're not going to flip a coin and just suddenly ch change something from a very low to 300% increase, you know, that doesn't happen. But, you know, what are the kind of levels of incremental increases you need in an area? What's the kind of, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of, you know, you have to get back to the kind of 
the key performance indicators of the business and then follow that through with with what you think are the kind of current ratios and things like that so what will that give us you know what does that look like so i think um you know but obviously that might tweak depending on the sort of model that you actually kind of look at so um yeah i mean i think really you know as i said what if you if you're not sure on what are the ratios and what's our starting point because you so point looking at the starting point from last year you know each week it's changing isn't it so that's a tricky one you know what's what are our kind of average you know workflow kpis at the moment and you know and that that that's certainly something you should be kind of looking at and how and how that's sort of changing on a week to week i guess half the half the battle there is understanding that it is changing and that you just yeah. got to keep, you've got to keep on top of it. If if you are standing still, and I'm not saying a lot of businesses, but maybe kind of burying your head in the sand a little bit and just trying mm-hmm. to kind of carry on regardless, um, you know that may work. But there's also the, I think the, the kind of point you're making is you need to go through this process, whatever basically, mm-hmm. and it needs to be kind of continually kind of reviewed and updated and reviewed and updated because you're correct. You know we've not been in this situation before. Um, uh, and you can't ex- assume that previous models are going to fit this, 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 you know, kind of square into a round hole. And also, if you're changing the model in an uncertain marketplace, it's you've got lots of uncertainties, haven't you? So if you're changing the market in a sort of, you know, in a, in a more stable market, you, you, you could probably make some sort of better predictions, but it's, it's yeah. challenging at the moment. However, like saying, if you're really open with your staff in terms of what needs to change and why, and then it might be that your kind of existing model, say you have a 360 or you have a sort of resourcing type model anyway, that, that it's, it's, it's a kind of an understanding that there needs to be more focus on client activity. And lots, lots of businesses um, have become or were very account management led because they, victims of their own success, grew great clients with high demand. So, so that's a very different skill set to someone who's going out Although we do have a lot more tools now, I think, to help us in terms of, you know, if you've got a good marketing plan, you should have more tools that can help you take your brand to market and, and hopefully bring um, a level of awareness down the funnel so that when people are calling, it's not a cold, call, cold call. But you know, yeah. obviously when I recruited, it didn't have what we do. I think we just just had a website. But, you know, we didn't you didn't have those kind of communication tools that you do now, which you should be taking advantage of. But but forget that, it's still a different skill set. Going, yeah. you know, chasing those kind of um, leads, whether they're kind of coming to a sort of slightly more warmer level. Um, on that point, Una, I've got a question yeah. from Sarah. Um, it says, in, in businesses where delivery is separated from sales, what are the main considerations in getting the cost model right and therefore designing your organisation? Okay, nice big question. Thank you. And the main considerations are you can't pay out more commission for the same fee. So if you have your PL and you look at your, you know, your people costs and your commission and your bonus costs and whatever that percentage is up to 30% or something, 33% maximum, I don't know, you know, that's what I would say. So whatever that is, if you have two people involved in the model, like you're saying that the one person doing the sales and bringing the job on and then the, the sort of that might be a 90 270 and then the 270 is the candidate and the fulfillment part you can't pay out more you know as a percentage for that kind of fee in terms of you know the, the commissions obviously you're paying two people salary um but you need to you know you need to model what's the you know the two together need more than the one whole clearly you've got two people involved and obviously it's not necessarily a one-on-one so you might have one person doing um new business for example 
and supported by a number of delivery people because that's the level they're bringing on or the other way around you know two or three people doing more of a new business development model and one or two people that's able to kind of you see what I mean that can that can do the delivery so it's not always a one-on-one -on -one, but I would always say you can't end up with a 450 model pay model for a 360 for a free for, for, yeah. for you know, unless you're obviously supplementing and, and you're selling other solutions and, and other products and the things that people are paying for. Um, but yeah, so it obviously doesn't have to be a one-on-one, -on -one, but you obviously have to understand what's the uplift in roles because the person that's doing the new business is clearly not going to get the same commission and bonus that they got for doing the 360. Yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah, I mean, the other way um, which I've seen work is on the delivery model that some of those, um, it's capped, there's a certain percentage of your salary that you can earn so you can you know you know that i'm only paying x percent there's not this huge up and down waivers because people yeah. are obviously not having to do the hunting and finding the jobs but they're doing the delivery so there's you know so so there's, there's a capped level to it well i hope that i hope sarah's kind of got all that and i hope because i think that was pretty thorough um so thanks for that you know and i hope Sarah, that answers your question um we've got a question also from graham about how important humor is in uh, in your communications um uh yeah so yeah i'll let you answer that first because i've got a few um, well i think you know you've got to i think you everyone we're in recruitment we've got to have a sense of humor you know but i think um you know i, th I think it, i think he's being a bit tongue-in-cheek there i think it is important to be human and and to and to you know at the end of the day but you know actually when you're losing business when you're losing money every week you're probably not feeling that that you know, you don't want to over humorize something to because people might not think it's as, as, as important as it is. But I think having having that human approach is yeah. what I would say. And whether that leads to kind of having a bit of bit of humor and, and a bit of realism and stuff like that, then absolutely. No one wants to see their leader as kind of sometimes, you know, deadpan, never anything else, but you know, one one dimensional in terms of message delivery, do they? Um and, and most recruitment leaders have got fantastic, you know, um personalities and, and 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 project themselves really really well so i don't think that's a problem for most people um just just kind of uh on the back of that i think something like storytelling is really good in kind of for the, in those kinds of and that adds to the you can bring in that kind of humor and tell those kinds of um story storytelling and i know in marketing that's a very kind of big kind mm. of uh, the trendy thing in a minute but we're getting slightly off yeah track. yeah so <laughs> that's the model so where, where we, if we yes. quick, so obviously yeah like that sort of 90 to 70 model might be yeah. a model Obviously, there's the kind of 180, 180. But what I would say from that one is learning from experience. It's really clear. It's really important to have the differentiator. So where does the 180 stop and where does it start? So, you know, so, for example, if the 180 is more on the client side, um, and do they brief candidates? Do they send people forward to the role? Or is it the resourcing identification part? At what point, you know, do, do they both kind of work with candidates? Or, you know, so it can get, you've really got to be clear because, people will always say, oh, I know someone that can do that job, I'll call them, you know, and, and, and they've just taken the job on. But maybe what should be happening is they're passing that to their resourcing stroke delivery person with the list of people who they think is right, and then they, they call them and they do that. And also, you know, we found that there was a problem. Our ratio started to go out on our job-to-fill ratio because the information the person who was taking the job took didn't all get relayed to the person who was managing the process because they were like, I'm on to my next client. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, and we identified that as a problem. And so um, we had to have a bit of duplicity there. So for example, like we're both on this call, we use technology so that the 
delivery person was able to, where possible, where it had been arranged, listen into the sort of full briefing from, from the line manager or the leader or the internal recruiter, etc. So although that was duplicity, it saved time from the client. And also they loved it because then they could get that person to write all the ads. So, you know, <laughs> so, it, it, you know, it, it's um, it's really important with that. And then obviously the other model is 120, 120, 120, where you split it three ways and they have account management and you know new business and um and and, and sort of delivery as it were and, and candidate engagement or whatever um and, and what what do you need to do to get that right you know what i mean where's the kind of um you know where's the where's the kind of where's the gold star in that you know yeah i think with the process management in terms of where it starts and finish obviously you've already kind of mapped out exactly how things have happened how, how things happen in your business so i think it's it's um no two businesses are the same and i would say you know one of the kind of key learnings that we found although we went externally and spoke to people who had changed their model actually what works for another recruitment company might not work for yours you know because your compliance issues might be different the kind of level of detail that you have to go into on i don't know you know on, on, on sort of candidates or how you represent your candidates to your clients might be slightly different so i think it's how you get it right really is just by lots of communication in terms of you know that process most people don't like to give up control of things so again it's that sort of you know that you need to make sure that the communication and also that there is a there's an openness for people there's there's a lot of egos that go on at work and we've all got them in terms of not wanting to be pulled up for making a mistake and things like that so you've got to make sure that when it's interdependent you can easily i can easily say to you i haven't got enough detail on that job or you or you to say to me you've made the matches and the process and the clients and wanted to see any of what's going on so it needs to be an environment where that's a positive thing rather than a negative yeah. and then you'll start to get that actually what went wrong went right and actually you know having a leader that's going or a manager a team leader that can be really kind of on it in terms of yeah are we are we kind of because if we're missing our goals in either area it could be that we, we, we we're in, we're duplicating what we're doing yeah. and that's probably the thing so it has to come back to the goal doesn't it what's the so if the goal of the new business they're not reaching it and one of the reasons is because they're spending quite a lot of time talking to candidates or they're rematching or reviewing the shortlist or whatever they're doing then you need to then sort of move the model again don't you to, to, to where it gets right so i think it's a moving feast until you get it right there's no here it is do it and then just deliver it um the the kind of that that, that open scenario where everyone's kind of being very honest with each other and trying to that, that kind of i think some people run a mile at that kind of at, mm -hmm. at that kind of way of working um, uh, and it comes back to the, the, the honesty and truthful piece that we kind of talked about. Um, yeah. um, you know, how do you embed something like that into the kind of culture of a business that doesn't already have that there? Well, I think, yeah, that's a really good point, actually. One of the key questions, which I didn't say you have to ask, is what's the cultural shift we need to make to make this work? Um, and, you know, in our business, it was becoming much more client and, you know, new business focus and that kind of cultural shift. But also, and I think... I think hands up we probably learned through mistakes with this was was that opening that up to have have that conversation so i think you know you've got to um clearly got to feel comfortable with the person and and have a relationship with them but often people that have good relationships even find it harder don't they to be kind of critical yeah. openly kind of necessarily critical but maybe give negative feedback so i think it's it's a training and development area that you know and i'm sure there are brilliant trainers on here will tell you exactly what you should be doing i've done it through uh, probably for, through making mistakes but i think um you know you kind of have to run out the scenario what happens when james you give me a brief and i match the right i i, I do i do my part of delivery and then your client comes back or the client comes back and say none of these are right 
what are we going to do in that scenario? Or what happens if, yeah, we don't fill the job? Or what happens if the brief that you've given me, I try and then present it to candidates and no one's buying it, no one's saying yes, everyone's you know, saying they don't want to work there, or whatever. So I think it's probably running through those what-ifs yeah. as much as possible. I mean, we've only got a certain amount of time, but the obvious ones are going to be there. And yeah. then trying to establish, well, okay, in that environment, this is going to be what behaviour should we want to see? And I'd say, well, look, I want to be able to say to you, look, the brief I've just got or, or the client isn't invested enough in this or whatever it might be, how are we going to take that forward? So then we can work together to find a solution rather than be a bit of a stalemate. Like you're saying, it's like everyone's got, oh, well, it just didn't work because it didn't work. No one wants to really kind of, you know, so I think you've got to foster that environment. And that's something really, you know, I think that's good for any environment because most people haven't been probably, you know, if you're managing your own desk, you're not, you know, you, you have been delivering. The spotlight necessarily hasn't been on exactly what your process has been. So I think with this, we identified that there was a training, there was a training need, and certainly in the new in the new market, in the new now, there's almost you know people need new skills as leaders do, as individuals do. So I think an upskilling and a training, and there's just a, an identification of what questions you might kind of ask. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's fascinating because I think uh, that that we're now living in a much more kind of honest environment. It seems to be. Mm-hmm. I've, I've definitely seen that in in our own community. That there's been there's a you know especially with um, uh, businesses taking things like mental health very seriously now and there's, there's, yeah. there does seem to be this this kind of change uh, it, you know just green green shoots but it does seem to be a change in, in the way that um, yeah. we, we are talking to each other yeah I mean, we're perceived sort of, I don't know if we're perceived that way but it definitely this seems seem to be that that kind of a more honest approach to to, to the recruitment industry. Um, Let's kind of just kind of, uh, we, I'm, I'm conscious we've kind of got a few minutes, but I would like to kind of just go through some, you know, some examples and kind of points that would be some, kind of, you know, to take away really, you know, I think examples would be, you know, is there anything you kind of, you know, of or worked on where this has kind of worked or has absolutely gone wrong as well? Sure, sure. I think my my sort of feedback would be that um, not within Aspire, we, we change the model not all teams adapted to it as well as other teams so i would my kind of my what i would say is pilot it in certain i probably wouldn't go where you are right here right now depending on the size of your business obviously if you've only got a smaller group but if you've got multiple teams um i would say kind of pilot it and and, and trial it first and 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 get it right (laughs) and because it's it can be you know quite problematic and it can obviously there's lots of people problems and challenges and and things like that so I would say pilot it in terms of that I think yes absolutely where where we got it right and the teams that got it right especially it really helps us in the really more 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 experienced say team leaders and leaders where they were very and they were very proficient recruiters but just didn't have as much time because maybe they were leading people where we plugged in the kind of resourcing and the and the 180 180 for them we saw some fantastic results because you know, they were really able to to, to, to gain, you know, to, to, to give them that time back to manage their team, but also they were able to deliver. Mm-hmm. So I would say, I think, um, making sure that you um, you pilot it. Um, I do think playing to people's strengths is a big thing. So, you know, I think now is the time to be looking, because like saying, if you've had people that have never done business development, really, and have been you know, worked on key accounts or house accounts and things, you know, now, you know, you've either got to upskill them and train them or you've got to change who plays to you know who, who works to whose strength so I think 
being honest with your with your business and your people and paying and, and working out who has the strengths and the skills and the desire to do those types of roles i would say it's really important um and um other things i would say is that it's 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 really important that just changing the model won't fix everything you need the tools to support it so if you have a group of business development uh, team and um, they need you need to make sure that they've got you know the marketing and the communication and the you know and 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 the the tools to support that activity so um, and and exactly the same on the on the resourcing type model like we talked about earlier you know the use of the crm and the use of your tools and things like that so i think that's really important i think that whatever you know where it where it went um where it didn't work as well in, in some of our teams was that where I think we didn't necessarily have real buy-in from the managers. Um, and so therefore they were sort of like, yeah, yeah, but they kind of wanted to dip in and out of it a little bit. And I think they'd say that as well. And I know, but I know other businesses that have got a kind of like 180 or even a sort of yeah, 180, 180, and it works brilliantly because the people doing the resourcing or the that function have only ever done that. And so they're really competent and happy doing that yeah. um so so yeah i think i think that's what i would probably say in terms of um and um, other kind of key learning points I, again i think communication is key in terms of what you're doing and why it's the business and um, the reward systems is really key because clearly um <clears throat> when people people in my experience they'll sit down and look at what they did last year and what they could have earned last year and then they'll look at this new model and be like well actually i'm not going to earn as much but the idea is no, of course you're not, because we need to deliver more. And also we're not there last last year. It's very different, the scenario. Um, so I think that the upsides can be pretty, you know, can can be really, really good, but I think you need a real clear purpose for change. And um, there can be significant, as I said, upsides because of people's strengths and, and, and the business needs. Um, and I think your people are the ones that will make this happen. Um, so, you know, as we said, bringing those on the journey and and um as I said, the cultural shift, don't under kind of estimate that. So they would be my sort of key kind of takeaways really for, 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 for um, Bang on time as well, you know, <laughs> we, we got there. Thank you very much, Una, that was um, amazing. I hope everybody who's kind of tuned in found it insightful, I know I did. Uh, I've, I've got stuff to take away. Um, so uh, thanks everyone who's joined us today. I think we were also joined by some people on Facebook as well. Hopefully that, that, that live stream went, went, went out as well. Mm -hmm. um, so don't forget everybody who's, who's here today to join Stephen tomorrow for his kind of roundup of the week. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll, um, we'll see you all again soon. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure when I'm back, but maybe in a couple of weeks, maybe next week to see, we'll see how it goes. You uh, go to the day, aren't you? You're going in the garden now. That's what you're <laughs> If anyone that's been on this wants to, you know, drop me a, a line on link, a LinkedIn or anything and ask any further questions or if there's anything we haven't quite covered, then, of course, I'm happy to um, to, to, to give my sort of time and, um, yeah, answer anything specific that you've got to your business or something. A couple of people have approached me about this and it's, yeah, it, it's, it's, it needs some thought. But as I said, it's, um, you know, now, now's the time to be looking well, at it. You're, you're, you're pretty easy to find on, on, on LinkedIn. Um, I am indeed. You know, some good content already on there that I've already had a look at. So. So thanks again, Una. And, uh, thank you everyone for, uh, thank for inviting me on. And um, yeah, good luck, Cheerio. <laughs> See everything. Thanks.
The Marketing Rules Podcast is a Thinking Circles production.